Welcome to Daily Confidence. In this episode, you will discover the secrets to go from zero to $100 million, how to create major mindset shifts and leaps in your life and business, the most important things to running a successful business, and more. My guest today is Layla Hormozy. Welcome, Layla. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Great to have you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Let me do the proper introduction for Layla, and we're going to dive into uh, going about how to go from zero to 100 million. Only a short six years ago, Layla started her first business on a whim with zero experience. Over the last, last six years, she has started and scaled four eight-figure businesses, including Gym Launch and Acquisition.com. Layla and her husband, Alex Hormozzi, have done over $130 million in direct sales and now have divested their interest in those companies to focus full-time on their investment company, Acquisition.com, which currently exceeds $200 million a year in revenue across the companies. Layla is known for her expertise in scaling companies through creating rock-solid culture, talent acquisition, and customer success. Welcome, Layla. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the introduction. Great to have you. Where about are you? Uh, I'm in Vegas, so we're here part of the time. Nice. And what's it like out there right now? Um, it's actually probably the perfect time of the year because like in June and July, it's like 115. So it's like you're basically walking in an oven or a hairdryer. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> once you get to September, it's uh, it's nice. It's, it's good weather. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dive into it. Layla, tell us about your story. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll rewind back to, man, to back into college. So you know, I grew up in a small town in Michigan, uh, Portage, Michigan, actually, um, which is, you know, as I was growing up, it's pretty much you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, you want to work at the local hospital. Like most people don't aspire to entrepreneurship. There wasn't anyone I knew really that owned businesses. In fact, it was all just like, you know, where are you going to work in town? And at a young age, I knew that I didn't really want that because I saw how miserable so, so many people were who kind of followed that path and never like ventured out to anything more. And so at a really young age, I started looking at like Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and like listening to everything they said. And I had my sights fixed on leaving Michigan and going to California. And so I stayed and I went to college um, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which I didn't get much from that, but that's okay. Uh, it was a good experience socially. And I think like living on my own and such. Um, but in general, like college, like I wasn't like a, I think some people are like, oh, I was like a terrible student. I never like, I was fine, but I wasn't even like great. I wasn't terrible. I was like, honestly average. Um, I didn't really care. I didn't really think it was gonna make a difference in my life. Um, I just knew I wanted to finish college so I could get to California. And so the day after I graduated, um, I moved out on my own. I packed up my Prius uh, with all my belongings. And I drove out to California and moved into some apartment in Costa Mesa that when I showed up, there's like literally barbed wire fencing. And it was like kind of in the ghetto, which I didn't realize, but I found it on Craigslist. It was like the cheapest I could do. Um, and so I moved there with, I think I had $7,000 and my rent was like 15 or 1800 a month. And I was like, man, I've like got to get something going for myself because I'm not going to be able to like stay here more than six months. And I signed, you know, a year lease. And so I moved there and I realized, you know, okay, I graduated. The one thing I knew was fitness. And so I had studied fitness. I went to school for exercise science, useless degree. Um, and then we went out there and um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to walk anywhere that's walkable from my apartment because I don't want to spend money on gas. 
and I'm going to find a gym that I can work at. So I literally applied to every gym and I knew that I would get a job because I was like my experience, like I've been a trainer, I had a degree and I had a certification. I was like, I'll get a job anywhere. And I did, I got like five acceptances. And so then I actually tried out like each gym for like two weeks to see where I wanted to work. And I ended up at 24 hour fitness. Main reason was I got accepted at like two other places that were much more pristine, like prestigious gyms, but you had to basically do an internship for three months. And I was like, I need to make money now. So I went to 24. They were like, you can hit the ground running immediately and start selling membership packages and personal training packages. The first day I got there, um, I showed up and they were like, you need to go get 20 referrals. And I was like, they hand me a clipboard. It's me and like 20 other people that they just hired. They hired like 20 at once, like go get 20 referrals. And I was like, okay. And I was like, how? And they were like, just go ask people here and outside. And I was like, okay. I have no idea if this is hard or not. Like it's like, at that point, I've never done sales before. I have no experience with business. I just know how to get people to lose weight. And so I go and I remember I go around and collect and I was like, crap, I only got 14. And it was in like 45 minutes. And I come back and I walk past the front desk and there's two girls sitting on the curb crying with these clipboards. And I looked at them and I was like, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And they're like, I couldn't get any referrals. And I was like, why? And they were like, well, I can't just go up to people and ask them for this. And I was like, I can't, I have to make money. Like I'm not going to make rent next month. So like, I don't care about these referrals. So the the guy was really impressed. He hired me on the spot. Um, and that is where I kind of like cracked my teeth in sales because what I realized very quickly is he's like, why do you want to work here? I'm like, I have a passion for helping people. Like I really genuinely just wanted to help people get into shape and lose weight because I had done so myself and I felt really compelled to do that for other people. What I didn't realize until I got there was that if you don't know how to market and you don't know how to sell, then you can't actually fulfill on the thing that you want to do. Right. And so I very quickly threw myself into sales uh, and learning that. And it was really tough uh, in the beginning, but I just was kind of like in a do or die situation. I was like, I have to do this. Like, yes, if I ran out of money, I could like move home with my parents. But like, that was so humiliating to me that I really needed to make it work. And so I read as much as I could on sales. I put myself in the situation and I ended up working my way up to being one of the top salespeople in a short amount of time. And so from there, I gained a ton of confidence and I started basically in-person training, online training. And that was for about another year and a half that I had like a full roster in person online. I started competing in bikini competitions and I thought that I was going to build this huge career in fitness. That was kind of my idea for myself. I was like, I know I want to build a business in fitness. I just don't know what it is yet. And Mm -hmm. at that point in time, I was also dating. And that's when I was on Bumble and I swiped. I met this guy named Alex and he asked me out on a date to like Froyo. And I was like, okay, not dinner. And he's like, well, this is low commitment. So if I'm weird, you can leave. And I was like, God, this guy's odd. Then he calls me and uh, he's like, hey, I figured we could do our first date on the phone so that when we have the Froyo, it's almost like a second date. So we can just expedite this. And I was like, I thought it was hilarious because Honestly, I was just sick of people kind of just messing around and like not being serious about a relationship. So I appreciated it. Um, So we went, we met for Froyo. And on the first date, he's like, listen, he's like, I'm in fitness. You're in fitness. You're super ambitious. I'm super ambitious. Like, let's just do something together. And I was like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we just met on this date. Like, crazy. This is going a little too fast. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what is happening? And I told him, I was like, listen, man, like, I don't, this is complicating everything right now. Like, let's just date. And like, we can talk about this later. He just kept planting the seed in my ear. And so one day, I think we were like two weeks into dating and I came back to uh, his house to have dinner. And there was like a binder on the table and it had like gym launch LLC. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, well, I started the company that we'll do together. I was like, what? 
And he's like, yeah. He's like, do you need me to like show you that this can be a thing? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm going to go fly out. I'm going to show, I'm, I'm going to go prove that I, we can do this at other locations. And then when I come back, you're definitely going to feel like you want to work with me. And I was like, okay. So for like three weeks, he went out and he basically flew to other people's gyms, would use the marketing and sales that we understood to fill those gyms up and then would, you know, fly to a different gym. And he did that for three weeks and he came back. And at that point, I think he made over like a hundred thousand dollars. And at that point I was like, okay, well this works. <laughs> and he was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, I think I'm sold. Um, and at that point, you know, I'm 23, what do I have to lose? And so to kind of fast forward, you know, from that point out, you know, I joined him, we flew out to a location. Um, he said that he would train me on the first one. And then I remember the first day we had like eight sales calls lined up or sales consults coming in person. And, um, he's like, I have to take a phone call. Can you just handle this? And I was like, you haven't, I don't even know. What do, what do I say? What, what's going on? He was like, you'll figure it out. And uh, I remember I went six for eight. And so I just, I don't even know what I said to these people. Like, I was like, okay, well, it's a gym. Like I'll figure it out. Um, and so then from that point out, you know, we basically would fly ourselves to gyms. And what we would do is we would do the marketing and sales for those gyms. And then we would fill them up and let them keep the customers and teach them how to retain them. And we did that over and over for about a year until we realized it was awful and it was tiring. And after countless attempts and, you know, partnering with the wrong people and having those people steal all the money from location and then partnering with gyms who then asked all the people to refund and then they charged them on a different processor. Like so many things occurred. I think it was about three times where we thought that we were going to go bankrupt at that point in time. Um, and finally, we we're kind of at our wits end because one of the partners um, who we filled his gym I got a phone call one day uh, on like a burner phone I had for that location. And it was this woman. She's like, you won't believe what I'll call him Bill, what Bill did. And I was like, what did Bill do? And she's like, he just stood up on a chair and he just told us all to charge back on what you sold us. And then he's going to say, and then he said, I'll just charge you half of what Layla charged you. And so just charge back on whatever she you know, sold you. And then I'll just give it to you for half. And we got like a hundred thousand dollars in refunds in a week. And at that point we're like, this isn't going to work. We're going bankrupt. Like we're, we're done. And we're kind of sitting there. We're like, what do we do? And I had still had like an online, I was still doing like, I had like 10 clients online that I was helping with fitness. And Alex is like, what if we just build a funnel and then you just make this into like a program? I was like, okay. So like overnight he builds a funnel. I build the back end, Um, and we started funneling people to that. It was doing like a thousand dollars a day. So it was actually working. Um, and then the next day he's like, okay, I'm going to call all the gyms we have set up for next month and tell them nobody's flying out. Like we're not doing any flyouts. Like we can't help them. Like we're, we're closing the business down. And he calls the gym and I remember I'm sitting there like waiting. Like, I'm like, okay, get, let's tell them we're not doing this. Like we're so done. And he calls and the guy's like, you cannot leave me hanging. He's like, why? He's like, dude, I've refinanced my house. I've tried everything. I've paid three other people. You helped my friend by going in and you did this thing at his gym. And he's like out of the red now. Like if this doesn't work, like I'm going out and I can't pay for my house for my family. And we were both like, like, you just feel awful when you hear that from somebody and you're like, you know, you can help. And so he was like, all right, man. Well, like, I guess we could just show you what we do, but like, we're not going to fly out there. Nobody's coming to your gym. And like, if you can't do it, it's not on us. And he was like, cool. Don't care. How much is it? And Alex is like, we're like, I'm like, I don't know. And so he says $6,000 and the guy's like done. And we were like, $6,000 to teach you how to do something. What the heck? 
So call that was easy. I know. And so we call all eight other locations uh, and everybody else did the same thing. They were like, I have to do this. You have to help me. How much would it cost to just teach me? And that day we made $60,000 and we needed like 120,000 to cover the refunds. And so we were like, oh my gosh, it worked. And, you know, I remember Alex looked at me and he was like, I think we're still in the gym business. And I was like, yeah, He's, we're like, I think we've just been doing it wrong this whole time. You know, like we've been flying out ourselves, whereas I think that we just need to teach. And so we um, we decided to flip the model, teach people. And honestly, because of the timing in the market, because of the skill set that both Alex and I have and how complimentary it is, and because of an arbitrage there was on Facebook for gyms, it just took off. And so like the first year, the first six months of the business, we did 7 million. The second year, I think we did 20, Alex is our number, 27 million. Uh, third year was like 36. And it just went up and it was insane. And we built a supplement com company off the back of that company that we sold through those locations. We built a software company that serviced gyms and then we branched it out and sold it. And now it services all small businesses. Um, and then we actually end up selling Gym Launch and Prestige Labs, the brick and mortar, you know, the licensing model, and then the supplement company last year um, in December 29th. And it was a crazy ride. Um, and that was pretty much, you know, that's kind of my background. And now what we've done since we sold those companies and the majority of them um, is we decided, you know, hey, we're pretty good at getting companies to a significant size. Um, and we've done it multiple times. Like, let's try it with other companies. And so about two years ago, we took on two companies um, ourselves, just me and Alex, and wanted to see if we could get them to eight figures and beyond. And we did. And so we said, hey, we have a framework. We know it works. Let's take that. Let's turn it into something and let's do it for as many people as we can. And that's what we do now at acquisition.com. So what do you do these days and who do you serve? Really businesses, you know, it was more in the three to 10 range. Now we're kind of taking businesses around 10. Um, and then basically the idea is to triple them in the next uh, three to five years. And then after that as well. So we kind of have two different growth theses we put into place with the businesses, which is like, how do we get it from say 10 million to 40 million, 50 million? And then how, once it gets to say 50 million, because that's usually a breaking point, do we get it to 100 to 200 million? Because there are different kinds of growth that have to occur at those points. And so we take on those businesses, we take a minority stake in them. And then we have a team of, I wouldn't say subject matter experts, you know, finance, marketing, sales, customer success, that we basically do about one to two months worth of deep dive on the business to come up with our thesis around how to grow it and then how to essentially grow each department so that the business grows. And then we work with that company over the next you know, three years, we put a plan in place for the first year. And then each year it's revisited so that we have our yearly plan of like what acquisition.com is going to do. And then what that company is going to do to reach that target. Interesting. So going back to where you were experiencing those setbacks and, you know, the refunds and this and that, did you guys ever think that this is not going to work? I should give up and do something else. I think it's like, you know, like I knew I'm like, maybe this version won't work. But I will continue to work. <laughs> I will continue right. to figure out what would work. And so I just knew, I was like, if I don't give up, I'll figure out something. Maybe it's not this thing, but I'm not even going to find out if this thing, this thing works or not unless I keep trying. So I just had that mentality from day one. I was like, I know if I keep trying, 
then I will figure out what works. And I think a lot of that I took from, you know, like I have my own personal journey losing 85 pounds. And sometimes like you have a month where you don't lose any weight. And I was like, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to try something else and see if something else is going to work. So I was like, right. the same has to work for business. Love it. So how, how has your mindset changed since? since like you were doing five or six figures all the way to seven, eight figures and the rest of it. I think that a couple things, which is understanding, I think that very much so in the beginning, what's required is a mindset of hard work and volume. Like you need to work harder, you need to do more. And that is very true in the beginning, but there comes a point in business where more hard work of, of just you isn't going to cut it. You have to figure mm -hmm. out how to get the same hard work out of other people. And that's where you really get leverage on yourself. And so you almost have to train yourself out of you working so hard to train yourself into how do I get so much out of my people? And that's really hard for a lot of people because they feel like if I'm not doing the project, if I'm not taking the sales call, if I'm not, you know, dialing in the marketing, then I'm not working hard enough. But in mm -hmm. reality, like, the coach doesn't get in the court and play the game when a player's hurt, right? The coach is on the sidelines telling the players what to do if somebody's hurt. And that's ultimately where you need to end up if you're running a business. And so I think it's much more understanding that your focus has to change and the traits that you need to focus on, like honing in for yourself in the beginning are going to be much lower leverage. And then they have to grow in terms of how you leverage yourself so that you can get the most out of your team rather than just you. So I guess you would work hard and probably, how long would you give yourself like to work really hard to build up to a point where you could hire other people and you know, leverage your time and the rest of it. What would that period look like for you? If mm. you were starting from scratch again? I mean, I can tell you because we started acquisition.com last January and I'm still like in the thick of it. You know, I have the resources, I have the money, but it's not right for the business. Like the founder who is the CEO leaving in the first two years, the bigger a business you want to build, the longer you will be in the foundation and the bigger the foundation you have to build. So if somebody wants out of their business quickly, good luck building a billion dollar business because it's just not going to happen. I've yeah. seen it though time and time again. And so if you really want to build, like I want to build a billion dollar business, I'm probably going to spend more time than I did in my last business building the foundation because I want something bigger. Therefore, it makes the most sense that the founder and the CEO sticks around long enough and is the primary operator to do that because nobody knows it better than I do. Does that not mean that I can't hire people with more experience who have built bigger companies around me? Not at all. I can absolutely, I want to learn from everybody on my team. That's my goal. But that doesn't mean that the person who started it should exit out quickly. So I think that's like a key piece that I think a lot of people kind of miss. Hmm. So speaking of working hard, what do your days look like right now? What does say your daily routine kind of look like? Yeah, you know, it changes a lot because I think what I do now is very different. Like in our last company, I had no forward facing. Like I would never be on a podcast. Like people would ask me, I was like, no way, I don't do that. Um, I didn't make social media. I didn't do content. I didn't do any of that. And this time around, I was like, I want to do that because I, I regret not documenting that stuff. You know, a 23 year old leading a team of 120 people. I only have those stories. I don't have any video of it, you know, and I, I'm sure I'm much better now than I was then, but it would have been cool to look back and see how far I'd come. So and to show so many other people what's possible at a young age with little experience. Um, so now what my days look like are, you know, like most of the time, you know, getting up, working for three to four hours. Then I try to take a break, go work out, come back, eat lunch, then have my meetings. I try to do it like the 
for five to six hours after lunch and then get done. I go on a walk with Alex. We debrief about our days, just kind of like checking in with each other. And then a lot of times we just like go grab Whole Foods or like Persian for dinner and and then come back and like, honestly, like read, study, watch YouTube, like try and learn um, and then go to bed. It's really boring. I love, uh, it. I love your Persian food too. Um, well, you're like my first Persian guest and I'm, I'm a huge fan of my kebab. And it's like something I cannot give up. And over the past, over the past couple of years, we became, we became really good masters at making our own kebab at home. Cause yeah. at some point for like a good year and a half, the restaurants were closed. So we're like, yeah. we need to come up with our own skewers. <laughs> so I did that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Hmm. So you said you get up, you work for three or four hours, then you take a break and then you work again and then lunch. That, yeah, then I take a break, eat lunch, then do my all my meetings. So my meetings are usually more like 11 to 5. So I've heard you and Alex talk about like getting up and starting working, right? Mm-hmm. Do you like, how does that work? Like, give me about the first hour of when you wake up. Do you like get up and start typing and doing doing shit? Or like, uh, what what is it like? Like, what do I actually do? Okay, <laughs> I roll out of bed. Uh, I go and I turn all the lights on. I hit on on the coffee maker. I put eye drops in and then when the coffee's done, I have like a few sips and then I open my laptop. And you start working. Yeah. Like no meditation, no, I don't know. Visualizing this and that and affirmations of this and that. No, you just start work. Yeah. No, okay. I don't know. So, so then what, so what do you spend your time on and how do you decide what to spend your time on? My time has been decided upon where it's going to be spent months ahead of time. So, you know, we plan out for our business. What is the three-year goal? Break that down to one year, break that down to a quarter, break that down to each month. And then I break that down to what do I need to get done in each week of the month. And I just have like a little backlog that shows what my priorities are. And then I prioritize by that. Obviously there's stuff that comes up that I have to do as well, but that time in the morning is when I get those like non-negotiable things done to move the business forward because you know, by, by the time everybody else is up and by the time it's the end of the day and I'm tired, that's probably not my best work. And so I want to make sure I'm always driving the business forward in the beginning of the day. Love it. And what time do you, you guys usually wake up or do you wake up? I don't set an alarm. So like anywhere between 4.30 and 5.30. Love it. Love it. Hmm. And then, so... Do you create like a daily to-do list or is it done like in the beginning of the week? Is it like, how do you go about that? Um, Typically what I do is on Sunday, I go back through everything from last week. I look at all the meetings from last week, all the discussion items, all the one-on-ones I had, everything that everybody else was supposed to do and that I was supposed to do. And then I want to see where we're at from there. And so then I can assign out like, what does everybody else need to be working on this week? So when I meet with them, it's like, hey, where's this? Where's that? What do we have with this? And then for myself, do I know what I'm working on? And I can go in like pre-block time each day to work on things. Now I'm not meticulous where I'm like, this project is what I'm working on for three hours this morning. I typically have like two to three things that I'm working on. As long as I get them all done in the week, I don't really care which one I work on what day. It just matters that gets done. I'm not that rigid with what I'm doing because I think sometimes I'm in the flow of something. I'm not going to interrupt that because I'm like, well, I have to work on this project now for an hour today. That's not how I work. As long as I get it all done, I don't really care how I do it, you know? Okay, cool. So it's all preset. Every Sunday you set, review what's done, set 
set the to-do list for the week coming and then yeah uh, but you go. know some people don't do that at all some people don't even have a to-do list and it works for them so i think you know what works for me i i say if like someone's listening to this like try it and see if you like it and it works for yeah. you but it's not for everybody you know some people are more like fly by the seat of your pants like they know what they need to get done and like maybe they work last minute like hey i don't judge as long as you get the job done Lila, what advice would you have for business owners that are running five or six big fifth six figure businesses that are trying to go say seven or eight figure businesses get consistent first so typically when someone's in that frame they're what i call like a producer which is you're producing but you're not consistent you're not yet a master and once you unlock mastery when you're able to get consistent and you're able to get consistent revenue each month you know because like a lot of those companies because i look at all their financials on a very regular basis of when people apply to work with us it's like this they don't have consistency and so the what you know is like when i'm looking at a company that i know is going to be one that maybe in the future we want to invest in what i see is that they become consistent they have consistent revenue month after month and so that's a reflection of the stability in the business which is usually a reflection of the stability in the founder and so a lot of the times what it is is that the founders can't stay focused they can't stay focused on the right things for their business. And they're jumping around thinking like, well, maybe I should be doing this. Maybe it should be this. Like these five people told me five different things. Let me try these different things. Yeah. If you can stay focused and just like trust the course of at least one path, then you can see it out and see if it even works. And so I think a lot of times it's just remaining consistent for long enough to see the fruits of your labor, because if you're constantly changing priorities, what you're focused on, what your product is, the hiring and firing then you don't ever get to actually build anything that's stable. And so oftentimes what they need to do is just continue to practice, get the reps in, really understand, like build a stable foundation for the business, and then it will naturally grow. Yeah. What do you see as the, as the cause or the source of this revenue or sales inconsistency? Like what do they usually have to fix to build that consistency? People are often very impulsive. And so what I mean by that is, and I'm not immune to it. Like I was much more this way when I was younger and first getting into business, which is a lot of people tie up so much self-worth in their businesses. And then when something doesn't work for one day, they have one bad sales day or two bad, oh my God, a week, the business is for sure dying. That's what they think. They think bad sales day, bad marketing day, bad week. I have to change everything. And so what happens is the cycle of impulsive action and then you overcompensate for that action, which means you impulsively do something. You don't have any foresight. You're not thinking, well, maybe this is in the plan. Okay, there's always ups and downs. Like that's logical. You just go all or nothing thinking. And then you overcompensate, which might mean if you have a bad sales week, you go in, you're like, we need to change the whole script. We need to re we redo our compensation structure for sure. It's messed up. That's why they're not doing this. Rather than maybe it was Memorial Day weekend and people just didn't feel like buying. Maybe it's seasonal. Maybe yeah. we don't know because the business is too small. And so that's often what happens is they're just so in such a fear mode that they change things so quickly. And then they never get to see that the problem is not the perceived problem. The problem is that. Yeah, it's like planting a seed. And then like next week be like, oh, I don't see a flower. It's done. Right. It's not going to work. Like you have to give it some time. And it's often what I, I call a, a mentor mindset. It's like your whiplash, entrepreneurial whiplash, which is like you're constantly like going like this back and forth, like just... And your whole team feels it too. And so does the customer. So then people feel like, oh, it's just instable. It's not stable. Yeah. I, I, similar to, to that analogy, I, 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 what I heard was like being like a monkey jumping from one branch to the other instead yeah. of just, you know, 
sticking to, to, to one thing and making that, say, LinkedIn lead generation, get that to work and then move on to the next thing. 100%. Right? People are like, I sent five messages and I didn't get six figures out of that. Right. This it's is like, not working. No, it's like, it's bro. Like, of course, LinkedIn works. You just haven't figured it out yet. Right. Do you think there's like, what do you think are like a top, maybe one or two skills that an entrepreneur needs to like figure out or master that would help them maybe 50 or 60% of the way? It's like, these are maybe one or two important skills that you really have to have this figured out. I think one is more of a character trait than a skill. And the other one's a skill, which is, I think that skill wise sales. Like you are always selling in a business. Marketing is a form of sales. Product is going to need to understand sales. When you're hiring and recruiting, it's sales. There's always sales in business. So I think understanding sales is like, I think it's one of the most important skills. Um, and founders that don't understand it typically have a harder time than those who do. I can say that confidently. Um, the second skill is I would call like emotional agility, which is your reaction to your emotions. So many entrepreneurs I meet, are so talented, but their skill sets are high. Maybe they're really good at sales, really good at marketing, really good at fulfillment, but their emotion, like their character traits, like their emotional agility is low. Therefore they make stupid decisions. They take really irrational action and then they sabotage themselves. We all know that person who's like so brilliant, but they're just always ruining something for themselves because they just take this irrational action. And so I think having emotional agility and understanding that most of the time, the threats that we see in business, the problems we see in business are made up in our heads. But if we can understand that and be like agile in how we respond to our emotions, then I think we're going to be way better off in business because one of the number one things we look for in partners is like low emotional reactivity. People who can understand their emotions and it doesn't mean you eliminate the emotions. It's that when they come up, you can react to them in a way that's productive rather than a way that's going to set you back. Love it. Um, where can people find out more about you and reach out? Yeah. Um, really, I think the best place to go is YouTube or Instagram. So, you know, YouTube, you can just type in Layla Hormozy. Instagram is just at Layla and Hormozy. And then if you go to acquisition.com, uh, we have free courses on the site where if you're an entrepreneur that's probably doing, you know, less than 3 million a year, that course is probably a great one to make sure that you're on the right track. Love it. So YouTube, just search for at Layla Hormozy, Instagram, same. And you can go to acquisition.com. Uh, another amazing resource that Layla and her husband, um, Alex, have uh, is the book, The $100 million Offer, which is absolutely amazing. I've read it and I've watched the videos on their website. It really works, gang. Tap into that. Layla, can I ask you some real quick personal questions before we go? Yeah, sure. What's a new thing you have tried recently, big or small? that I've tried some new as, as little as cup of coffee, as big as going to Mars. Maybe, I don't know. I'm like really trying to think, um, something new food, about? drink, new stuff all kind of tough. Um, I mean, I've started like saying yes to speaking recently. So I guess that's new. Uh, right. I didn't that before. Love it. Give me two of your top favorite books. Ooh. I really like um, The Laws of Human Nature. Um, I think that book is really good. Robert Greene? Robert Greene, yeah. Um, and then 
Mm, that's a tough one. A book I that think, has a big impact on business or personal life or maybe mindset. Yeah, I think I think Ben Horowitz, A Hard Thing About Hard Things. It's a really good, good book for people to read to just understand entrepreneurship in general and like what's normal. Amazing books. Um, what's one advice that made a big impact in business or life? When it gets easy is when you want to step on the gas. It gets easy. Step on the gas. Step on the gas. Yeah. I feel like okay. there's a quick story there. Yeah. I mean, I think you just see it a lot in business when something feels easy. I think people relax and then they just try to accumulate the fruits of their labor, but that's when you want to maximize and you want to hit the gas and capitalize on the opportunity. Love it. If you had a Facebook or a Google ad where everyone around the world with access to internet could see that ad, what would your message be for the people of earth? It's possible for anyone. I think most of the time people just have reasons why they can't do something, but at the end of the day, it's irrelevant. Love it. Layla, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom and time with us. And uh, gang, if you have any questions or, or uh, comments for Layla or for me, feel free to put them in a comment below. Make sure to like and subscribe to the show. And have yourself a great weekend. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And uh, you've been listening and watching Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs with my guest, Layla Hormozy. Thank See you, you so much. Thank you. Bye, gang.